I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 18. Yep. <laughs> yep, we can vote now. <laughs> and get go into to the war. club. <laughs> but you can't drink. Yeah, you go oh, to war. <laughs> <laughs> that one was pulled out of the vault. Oh Thank you my to my uh, buddy Tyler. So uh, freaking funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love getting the text from people who are, like, catching up on episodes, and they're like, oh, my God, blah, 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 episode. I yeah. was cracking up at X, Y, and Z. Good story. <laughs> <laughs> Quality entertainment. Just tune into our podcast every week. <laughs> like, review, share, whatever, our nonsense. <laughs> right. Please. <laughs> but I was texting, because, I, okay, I have two BFFs that I went to grad school with, Justin and Tyler. And... I was texting them the other day because we have a group chat going half for like four years that we've known each other. Yeah. And I didn't know Justin had been listening from the beginning, had no idea. And Tyler. Thank does, you. Yes. And Tyler listens too, but I knew that he was a little bit behind. And so he texted today and was saying he was cracking up at the okay thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> and was embarrassed because it's like, I told him, I was like, you forget that people actually listen to this that it's right. not just me and you sitting here shooting the shit you know yeah so i was like oh a little embarrassed <laughs> i don't get embarrassed i do i don't <laughs> i'm wide open all right dixie chicks <laughs> okay uh-oh no what's going on what's been going on oh with i thought you? you were about to tell me something serious yes no did you hear about april tinsley she was an eight-year-old who was murdered back in 1988, I believe. They never called her killer. Mm-hmm. But DNA. <gasps> no. They got that motherfucker. No. What? no. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Was it like a... Um, it was a sad story. Linda, and... Was it like an ancestry DNA type thing mm-hmm. that they called? Damn. Yep. Like, they coming for you. I was going to say, motherfuckers better look out. Cause... Their butthole is puckered right now. <laughs> They're being like, any of my fucking family. <laughs> like, you don't need to know who in your family is from Ireland right. or Africa or wherever you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Have you seen the commercials now of the, like a really healthy guy, like running upstairs and he's like, no. I used to be a chubby kid up until about <laughs> sixth grade and blah, blah, blah. Like basically wanted to get his, cause now I think it's the 23 Me. They do like a health thing and oh. your ancestry. And so basically he was like, so I can know how to train better and boo. And it's like, Okay. Okay. Well, just look at your family. I mean, when you have to go to the doctor and fill out your family history, does Unless no one else have yeah. a terrible family? I'm like, check, dead, check. dead, got, got, got this, had this. I'm like, <laughs> do you? I don't know the dates because they had it all the time. Like, I mean, since we, I was born, we've had shit go wrong. <laughs> we are literally ticking time bombs. Yes. And I'm like, um, I don't need me to spit in a fucking thing to tell me that I'm a ticking time bomb. Yeah, need to lose weight. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just lose weight. All your problems would be solved. Yeah, totally. Bam. So Oh God. Okay. So speaking of losing weight, I started a diet like three days ago. And it's been going good. It's not a lot of but it doesn't fucking matter. I started a diet <laughs> three days ago. And Donna and I went to dinner tonight, and I had my little salad with my little tuna on it and, you know, whatever. 
And Donna got her meal, and they put shrimp on it instead of chicken, and she and hates I it. don't like it. So she was like, oh, no, and sent it back. <laughs> Our little waiter was like, oh, because we're, I'm so sorry that we fucked up your order. Well, he didn't say that. But I'm so <laughs> sorry that we fucked up your order. Here's a free piece of cheesecake. And, y'all, this cheesecake at this restaurant is amazing. Literally one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. Like, it's like you know how they say fat kid love cake? No, 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 no. This cheesecake is like if a cheesecake and a chess square went on a date, mm-hmm. had a baby, and it was this masterpiece. Yes. And I was like, my mouth dropped when he brought it to the table because I get this <laughs> cheesecake every time I fucking go to this restaurant. Yes. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, shit. It's like, I have to eat it because I can't be I was rude. like, you better fucking eat every bite of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, so, I brought it home. I did eat one bite of it, though. Yeah. And I was like, I'm I'm not. I'm not passing it up. It's so good. But it's yeah, so like, good. we lasted the whole meal and we have done good. Like, I mean, I still get my meal that's a pasta thing because, hello, carbs. But... We don't get an appetizer, mm-hmm. and we haven't got that dessert. And then at the very end, before I was he brought like, the check, son of a bitch! I'm like, oh, you're so sweet. But Thank you. Thanks. But can you just give me a percentage off? <laughs> <laughs> Take this devil cheesecake out of here. Oh, but it was good. God, and it really was like the best piece it of that was. cheesecake we've had in a long time. Like, <laughs> of course, it had to be like the best one in months that we've gotten there because we go to this place at least once a week it's like one of the best places here though yeah anyway but yeah that was i mean it was really like a womp womp like what is our life (laughs) you know what that's a fucking devil taunting us (laughs) not today satan not today (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh i was just thinking back on the the family health shit. Mm-hmm. And that time that my boss, like the owner of my company. Because, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> y'all, I mean, for like three years, my life was crazy. Yeah. And <laughs> so, like a year ago, after three years of craziness, um, my boss, like, I'm sorry, the owner of the company I work for, he called me for something. And I work remote. I work remote like home and so I don't see him all the time you know we're not like BFFs we don't drink coffee together in the morning or anything (laughs) around the water cooler yeah he's like being nice at the end and he's like how's your mom and I'm like she's she passed you know and he's like oh oh well it must have been your sister I'm thinking about how she uh she passed too and he was like oh um I'm so sorry. <laughs> Gotta go. Bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> I'll give you a bonus check. Sorry. <laughs> sorry I triggered you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, it's just funny because, bless his heart, he was oh just my trying God. to be nice. No, he was like, fuck, yeah, he was please like, don't call HR. <laughs> I know. I told my boss um, about it. I was like. This has just happened, and he died because it's just funny because, I mean, it's like three years ago, too. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So funny. Like, I was rolling at it. Yeah. One time, I mean, you have to, like we said last time at the in the Friday the 13th episode, 
you have to laugh at stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you just have to. Or you're going to be, like, fetal position. In the corner, balling your yeah. eyes out. Absolutely. Well, one, my coworker, Sean, actually, he actually, God, can I say actually one more time? <laughs> actually, I don't know. <laughs> actually, and I don't know why I had to go up so high. Okay. <laughs> You know why? Because I'm still kind of fucking sick, y'all. Y'all, this is like the fucking plague that never goes away. <laughs> I tuberculosis. I don't know why I said it like that. Okay. I don't know. I couldn't think of it. It was like, <laughs> Y'all, okay. I think. Are we drunk? I think that <laughs> <On> cheesecake. <laughs> you go without sweets for one day. <laughs> three. I've been without three. Okay. I've been without it once. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Okay. But anyway, so he, like, he's my buddy. Well, he called me one time and he was like, how you mama doing? And I was like, she did. He was like, damn. (laughs) Damn. Oh, God. So freaking funny. I've done that to my nephew, though. I picked him up from band because he plays in the band. This was a while ago. And I mean, that was a thing that someone, I don't know if it was like, nationwide is on, is on your, your side, side. <laughs> not sponsored um <laughs> but donna loves that jingle if you want to <laughs> it, it is no yes. it's not oh it is that is the one that you yawn to yeah i yawn <laughs> damn i was like no that's not who he's for uh-huh. but yeah sorry i was trying to get state farm some love but never mind that's a discount double check oh <laughs> That's the other football player. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Hashtag, okay. I don't ever watch TV. Right? Just kidding, I do. Oh, my God. Okay. They're like, can you get to the fucking episode? But okay, I'm sorry. Or shit, to the point of the story. <laughs> yeah, what was I saying? <laughs> you picked up your Oh, I picked F- up my nephew. nephew. Your F you. <laughs> oh, my God. Him, too. No. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I picked him up, and there was... A radio personality. So the radio personality would be like, how you mama Duran? How you grandma Duran? So I went to say that to him. And in my head, like when I was going to say it, I was like, oh, she's dead. Oh, she. Hey, how are you? <laughs> like, damn. Awkward. <laughs> what do you say? So, yep, there's that. Good story. What the fuck ever. Okay. <laughs> it was funny in my head. <laughs> Keep it in your head next time. Me. <laughs> oh my God. What, what is, is this wrong episode? with this? <laughs> Y'all, just skip forward. Just like, hit skip three times. I'm probably finished a sentence by then. <laughs> Maybe a thought. I don't know. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. All right. I am doing the old Charleston jail. I don't know that one. I mean, well, it's in Charleston. In Charleston. <laughs> oh, so you do know it. I mean, I get the gist of it. I'm sure people died. There were prisoners. Oh, my God. Why do you have to ruin everything? <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. Why did I say that so deep? Did somebody say steak? <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. It's also known as the Old City Jail. Did you know that? Because you knew everything else about it. <laughs> Back in 1680, the city of Charleston was being laid out because it's like one of the earliest settlements, you know. And this location, it was like four acres of land and it was designated for public use. 
So it's like a makeshift hospital for poor people, a poor house, like your Anton. Yeah. He had to stay in it all thumbless. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's so awful. I know, but I mean. Okay. I have to say this really quickly. Okay. Speaking of thumbless, I'm listening to (laughs) In the Dark. And they just talked mm-hmm. about three-fingered Willie or whatever yes. his name was. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Thumbless and three-fingered Willie. That's probably right. his name. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, my gosh. I wonder if he had the shocker going on. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, I was thinking I love you. <laughs> Literally, that's what I pictured in my head was I love you. And you fuck? go straight to the shocker. Yeah. Okay, so this land was used for a lot of shit for the poor class. Like, it was public land. Okay. It was a makeshift hospital for paupers, vagrants, and beggars. It also had the poor house and a workhouse for runaway slaves. What year was this? 16-something? 1680. Okay. Then, sometime later... In 1802, the jail was built on this land. Okay. So, before, it's had, you know, I mean, shit happened on the land. I'm sure that all of those people that were, like, quote, unquote, in the poorhouse. Yeah. Weren't treated well. No. You know, and I'm sure there was a lot of, like, illness and mm-hmm. death. And, obviously, too, if there's a workhouse for runaway slaves. Yeah. God only knows what those men and women and kids have seen. Yeah. You know? So, a lot of the most infamous criminals stayed here at the old Charleston jail. Okay. And during the Civil War, federal prisoners of war were held there. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. So, like I said, it was built in 1802. It ran to until 1939. So that was a pretty long while. It had four stories, and it was topped with a two-story octagonal Tower, is that how you say it? Octagonal is what I would say, but who knows? I don't know. Tell it had us. eight sides. Yeah. <laughs> it goes through, like, where some shit happened to the thing, like an earthquake, blah, 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 blah. But whatever. So that's how it is. And it kind of looks like a castle, but, like, not Cinderella's castle, more like King Arthur's. Yeah. I was, th- You know what I was, th- I was thinking? Like a, like a Scottish castle castle yeah. is kind of what I was picturing. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, you know, when you do sand castles mm-hmm. and it would have like those yes. where they shoot the arrows and yes. stuff, but like blocks. Yes. Okay. I mean, you had it the first time, but I just had to keep going. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's what it looks like. And, you know, normally prisons are like, when you think about a prison, it's like Shawshank. It's sprawling yeah. and so big. This is just looks like a house castle, you know? I mean, it's just tall. Yeah. But that's it. Okay, so it was meant to only house 130 inmates. So, I mean, you can think about that's not big. No. But it often held 300 people or more. Shit. Yeah. By all of all accounts, 10,000 people died in that jail. Holy during shit. During the 211-year history. And only, like, a thousand were from executions. Everything else was fighting or illness. Damn. Yeah. Which, and, like, that many people in that close of quarters, Mm -hmm. like, can you imagine, like, 
just mm-mm. the oh. infections that were rampant. Yeah, just wait. like you. <laughs> right. Your tuberculosis that you're determined <laughs> to give me. Criminals were kept separate from the non-offenders. I feel like that's like prisoners of war or someone who... Oh, okay. Um, I was like, non-offenders? Why would they be in jail then? Okay. Yeah. So the criminals were punished with shackles, whippings, deprivation of food and water, oh. executions. This is how they were usually done. Burned at the stake. Uh-uh. Branded. Uh-uh. Drawn and quartered. I don't know what that means. Oh, yes, I do. Okay. Or having one's ear nailed to a post until the ear was finally sliced off. Mm-mm. Usually used for horse thieves. That was an execution? Well, that sorry. I only said execution, but I meant torture. Okay. Torture and executions. And then I was thinking, God, that seems like what happens on like King Arthur mm-hmm. or whatever. But I'm like, fuck, this was a long time ago. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what happened. Okay. Also, how do you get, I mean, could you imagine trying to get my little ear on a damn wooden thing right and then like do you stay there Uh or do you just like stand up with your wood the wood on your ear no 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 it's like a post and you stand you have to be hunched over (gasps) yeah what it oh my god i would catch a cramp in my leg Mm -hmm. and it's like nailed yeah through your fucking ear yeah i mean you were 21 before you got your damn ears pierced Mm -hmm. older than that Here's one thing that I was like, oh, fuck. All of that torture, all of everything, I'm like, that's terrible. But it had something called iron glass. Okay? That means it was just iron bars on the window. Nothing else. So, if it was hot, it was fucking hot. Uh -uh. If it was cold, it was fucking cold. Damn. And it does get cold in Charleston. Mm -hmm. Like, it snows and shit there. Yeah. Mm -mm. But can you imagine how hot... And people are packed in like sardines. Oh, you know it stinks. So, yeah, that disease and everything. Oh, yeah. Infection. Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. And just that drives people mad. They yes, eat. absolutely. Which ensues more fights, which kills more people. And yeah. Yada, yada, yada. It's like, um, hello. Okay, so some, um, you know how, I hate to say they have privacy now because they don't. But at least now they have, like, cinder block walls in between the jails. I mean, the cells usually. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, I mean, like, are you talking about, like, an individual cell with, like, a yeah. door? Well, not a door, but, or like. Are you talking, are you thinking, like, Like Wentworth? Shawshank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like Shawshank. Okay, so individual cells like that. Yeah. Yes, but they also have, like, in general population, it's just, like, bunk beds. Yeah. Okay, but, I mean, like, if you're thinking about. Well, whatever. But I feel like they have more privacy now than these people were in like a chain in a chain link fence, basically, in like a cage that was three feet by three feet. How many people in one of those? Multiple people. Do they have beds? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Three feet by three feet. Three feet by three feet. That's tiny. Well, that's like on the that witch dungeon museum that I went to in Salem. Uh, Yeah. The dungeon that they had the replica of, Mm -hmm. like, they had the replica of, like, each of the different dungeons that people would be kept in. And one of them, for people who didn't have any money, because you had to pay 
to be able to be kept in the jail. God. During the, yeah. And so if your family was poor, too, and they couldn't pay to get you a nicer cell, basically, mm. you, it was literally the size of a coffin, like, but standing up. So mm. that so so basically that's what that is. Yeah. So it makes sense with the time, like if it was Well, that was their solitary yeah. confinement was a coffin, basically. Shit. Mm-hmm. I cannot like that is maddening. Yeah. Well, and then I'm just like, God, being hot I mean, well, it would be better to not have walls since you have no no ventilation, no, yeah. no airflow. But it's like, fuck. Just always exposed. And it's hard because then you're like, well, don't do criminal shit. Yeah. But then also some people are in there and they're innocent. Yeah. You know, and so they're suffering. And I mean, it's, I mean, our ju- our justice system is fucked up now. Yeah. Can, I mean, back then, I mean, they're nailing your ear to a board for stealing a horse. Yeah. You know? Ugh. Anyway, so it, it, it's just one of those things, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my God, that's so inhumane. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, fuck, you killed somebody or whatever, you know. So I don't know. It's just one of those things that yeah. I don't know where I stand. Well, I stand with basic human rights. Yeah. And a place to lay down. A place, you know, I'm not saying you got to have a fucking king size bed, but you need a place to lay down. Yeah. You need a place to go to the bathroom. You need a place to do all of those without creating infections. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it's hard because, yes, we're off on a fucking tangent. Imagine that. This is good. This tangent's going to piss some people off, too. Well, no. Can, can uh, you say it? I'm just saying it's probably going to. Well, I don't know. I'm because, again, I don't know where I stand. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, but it's like, okay. I feel like prisons now don't rehabilitate or don't do a lot to rehabilitate. And so, because I'd say, yeah, basic human rights, because if you don't, there's no rehabilitation that you can do, you know, and these people will be put back out into, you know, like society and Mm -hmm. they've been an animal. And so then you're going to breed worse people, you know. But at the same time, it's like when you hear about in uh, inmates who are getting college educations while they're in there, and I'm sitting on so much yeah. student loan debt. It's like, are you kidding? Yeah. You know, so I totally get what you're saying. Well, and I don't know. It's just like, yeah, basic human rights. But I know that if someone had murdered my mom, I'd be like, fuck no, they can sleep standing straight up. They didn't yeah. give her basic human rights when they, yeah. you know, stabbed her 50 times or yeah. whatever, you know, like, so I don't know. I'm just torn because then from doing this podcast and listening to true crime, then you're like, but these are people and it's, I don't know. It's just like a whole jumble mess that because it's. You see that people fuck up and then you see how shitty the justice system is. Yeah. And so how many people that are in there are actually innocent. And then they're created. Mm-hmm. Like, the monsters are created inside sometimes. I mean, how many stories, too, have we said, like, the killers that went to jail as kids, like, learned yeah. things of how to be better criminals? Mm-hmm. Like, I was, I can't remember where I was listening to something. And it was talking about that, too. And, oh, it was that serial killer book. And it even 
that book even referenced Ed Kemper as the example yeah. of him given those psychological testing and learning how to be a better criminal yeah. from the testing that he was providing, you know? I know. Oh, God, I don't. I... It's a it's a it's a touchy subject, I feel like, because you are talking about people's rights. Yeah. You know, human yeah. rights. And I don't know, you know, because you don't want to give them the opportunities that they wouldn't have been given on the outside because it's like a reward. But on the other hand, you want to give them those chances because if they are going to get out and they're not going to go back to crime, then we have to give them some sort of opportunity yeah. to succeed. If you're if you truly want to look at it from a rehabilitation standpoint. Yeah. But on the other hand, when you have people who aren't committing these crimes that don't have those opportunities on the outside because of their socioeconomic status or what have you, then it, that's hard to wrap your head around. Again, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, because I what was that? What were we watching? What what was it? And they were they were talking about these inmates who were getting college educations, and when they you know, and I'm like, who's? I asked you, I was like, who's paying for that? Yeah, because because again, I have a fuck ton of student yeah. loans, and so it's like again, my choice to go get the degree that I got and go to a, the school that I went to that mm-hmm. had that tuition and all, but. That's not fair either. Yeah. But on the other hand, how are they supposed to better themselves and be rehabilitated if we don't give them those opportunities? Yeah. So that's kind of the frame of mind where I am. Again, I think that people should be given the basic human rights of should be treated fairly, should be given food, nutritious, good food, should be given healthcare and all of those things Mm -hmm. because too if you think about like even the foods in jail and stuff and it's like the because you know i love lock up and the food always comes up on that because the inmates always complain about the food and it's like when you look at the the calories in each of the meals and like the salt and just the nutritional value of the meals because the worse the meal is, the easier it is to make for the masses. When mm-hmm. you're making meals for 10,000 people, yeah, it's easier to do some high salt, preservative, whatever, you know. Yeah. But that in turn can cost us, the taxpayers, more because then you have more inmates who need to be on blood pressure medicine mm-hmm. or have to go to the doctor's visits or have to have surgeries and that sort of thing. And so when you're paying for their health care costs, too, you know, so, again, it's a – a catch-22. It's a total catch-22 because somebody's not going to be happy. Yeah. You know, the side of we need to take care of these these inmates because they are people, but then the side of, well, they fucking committed a crime, you yeah. know, and they shouldn't have the opportunities that I don't have when I didn't commit a crime. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really touchy subject, and I really hope we didn't offend anybody because— Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, that's not what I want to do. But I'm interested to know what they think. It yeah. Could be a, but because, again, I really do feel like it's a hot-button issue. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know. It's like I have no stance on it. Yeah. Honestly, because I'm so uneducated about it, but not uneducated about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just I have no experience. Yeah. Well, and it. it's like you hear stuff like the, the sheriff in Maricopa County that was like, 
Like in hot houses and no, shit. he had it the tent city. Yeah, and so there were all of these inmates. If they were like in general population, they would be in tents outside, and people were like, "Oh my god, it's Arizona summers and all of this stuff." Yeah. And you know, his argument was our men and women who are in the armed forces or you know are in the military are not. Yeah. These are the conditions that they're exposed to when they're in the Middle East. So why should people here who are in county lockup have better conditions than them yeah that i totally get but on the other hand too though like how he made them all wear pink like all the prison clothes were dyed pink and all that yeah like that is just degrading yeah to me like that's psychologically torture yeah i mean like that's it's it's so small and insignificant but on the other hand it's like that's a little bit of an abuse of power like that's a little bit of like a just a degrading thing to do to these people you yeah know? like why why did you have to do that mm-hmm. it's like when i step over your line when i say shit why do i have to do that? yeah <laughs> yeah i want to know y'all's opinion too i don't know why i said y'all's weird but i do want to know it <laughs> and again yeah please don't be offended by what i say because well, i'm you, stupid on really, this. but really though when you talk about it you do play devil's advocate with yourself like you say something that's more of a I don't know, like a hard-nosed kind of conservative view of it. And then you're like, but, and then you kind of say yeah, a more. Because I'm empathetic. Like, I'm empathetic to a fault. But then I'm also. No I, nonsense. Like, you I fuck, hate, don't, yeah. Yes, I hate. I'm really, I'm okay at second chances. But then third chances, I don't give. Yeah. And so, I feel like there, maybe there should be like like a hierarchy, you know, if you've come to jail or prison four times by this time, you're in a smaller cell, you're in blah, 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 or whatever. I don't know. Or maybe if you're doing life because you've like done mass murders. Yeah. Maybe you should be in a smaller cell and have, I I don't know. Yeah. Because they're not being rehabilitated. Like there's no even. Yeah. Yeah. Like why, why? They shouldn't be able to go to college because why? Yeah, it's not like they can get a job with that degree. Yeah. I mean, if they're in for life, I mean. Well, meanwhile, Ed Kemper does do the um, the reading stuff. I guess he doesn't have to have a degree. Never mind. But doesn't he? Didn't you say uh-huh. that? Uh-huh. But I don't know. So it's just like maybe that? I, I don't know. Well, and two, and I think about like, like one of the prisons here has the because i've been to i had to do like a tour of it for school one time and there's no air no ac in there and it's like i also think about the corrections officers yeah you know because they so they're working in those environments and making shit shit money i mean god bless them like Like below shit i mean it's really bad what they're yeah. paid. Like they're paid less than a police officer. You and know, they're paid shit. And they're paid shit. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, they have to deal with the same conditions that the inmates do. Mm-hmm. And that don't make any money. So, you know, right. it's like, so you don't want to make the conditions so bad for the inmates that the poor guards are. Yeah. It's awful for them, you know, because that's a hard job to keep, you know, and you can see, you know, as a, you can see why a corrections officer could get wrapped up in a scheme to like bring inmates stuff in and all of that yeah. because they make no fucking money. You have they have no incentive, yeah, to not 
skirt the system Mm -hmm. because if they can make bringing in one pack of cigarettes what it would call what they make in a month then fuck yeah yeah, they're gonna bring in some cigarettes they're like it's just cigarettes you know they may not be bringing in like drugs yeah but they're still bringing in contraband and it's like that one cross Mm -hmm. the line then makes it easier and easier and easier Mm -hmm. to keep crossing the line but then also too cigarettes are such power there that that could be a domino effect of no. That's not yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, it seems so insignificant though because you're like, well, it's just cigarettes. It's not. I mean, and that's just an example. You're like, I'm not bringing them in cocaine. Yeah, but on the other hand, I mean, people get shanked for cigarettes. Uh, girl, yeah. You know, so I don't. Oh God, like so seeing this and like when I watch Wentworth and stuff, it angers me mm-hmm. of how they're treated and blah blah blah. But then when I think about real life scenarios, I get mad when I think about people who have contraband in their sales and they're living it up, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, I don't have a PlayStation 3. Like, how do you have a PlayStation 3? Yeah. You know? And I will say your life should not be better in jail than it is out of jail. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, now I do get that there are situations in which people are homeless or, you know, that sort of right. thing and they don't have a place to sleep and get food and all of that. And so then, yeah, jail's going to be better for them. But as far as like the extracurricular stuff, yeah. it should not be better. But, and then, you know, okay, so we, she likes lockup, but we watched, I think on A&E or something, where they went into the jail. What was that called? 60 Days In. Yeah. And it was, like, normal people went undercover inside, and they were, like, inmates Mm -hmm. for 60 days, hence the name. But they saw, like, oh, shit, these mattresses are super thin, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, God, that sucks. These people are in there, you know, having to deal with this. And like just the living conditions, it was just so gross. And toxic too. And that, you know, when you didn't get into good sleep that night because your mattress was so terrible and then you you were starving, but the food was disgusting or, you know, it's just these little things that add up to these boiling points. Exactly. Which is what causes riots and fights and those types of things which endangers the corrections officers which endangers the inmates which leads to stories like yours you know yeah which we haven't even got to i know that was the longest tangent we'll we'll uh, we'll like shorten our stories up a little bit i feel like yeah yeah well other people said they like our long our long episode so true here you go here's one for you we haven't had one that was like super long since the jody Aries. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. (laughs) But anyway, I think that's interesting, though, Mm -hmm. about the jail. And, yeah, let us know. I know we've said this a lot, but, like, let us know. Because I would love to be more educated and enlightened. Oh, my gosh. Especially, could you imagine if somebody listening works as a corrections officer or a police officer? Yeah. Hit us up. Especially if you're single. I love a man in uniform. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. It says... In some rooms, prisoners were locked in cages barely the size of a person's body, packed in like sardines. Disease was rampant. Tortures continued. Rapes of both women and men because it was co-ed. <gasps> it was co-ed? Well, sorry. <laughs> it, I mean, yes, but they weren't always like 
together, yeah. you know, but yeah. I mean, it was co-ed. But yeah, rapes of both women and men were common. The building never had running water. <gasps> yeah. Like, what? Did anywhere, though, in 18-whatever? I don't know. Okay, so Carrie just looked it up and she still doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Some stuff said, like, the late 1600s, some places were starting to get it, but then some stuff was like, even in 1850, no houses in blah, blah, blah had running water, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. Okay. So, like I said, they had the most infamous criminals in this terrible jail. Mm-hmm. One couple that's pretty infamous is John and Lavinia Fisher. She is actually known as America's first female serial killer. Hmm. Some other inmates were the uh, last of the high sea pirates. Oh. Yeah, because they're right there on the water and it was like full of commerce and stuff. But it's like, oh, my God, pirates. Uh, And they were jailed there while they waited hanging. Also, Denmark Vesey, have you heard of him? Mm -mm. He led the slave revolt 1822. (laughs) Just saw that date. Well, he was going to lead it, but then... Plans were foiled. Someone found out, and so he was arrested and some other people. But he was held there. Hmm. I think they made a movie about it called Glory, I think. So, yeah, he spent his last days in the tower, you know, that octagonal or Mm -hmm. whatever. Some of the slaves that were in that revolt with him were there, and also four white men that were... Part of the revolt, they were sympathizers, Okay, basically. They were held there in the same location. Because of his plan to revolt, shit got real for slaves, free blacks, all of the above. The law required all black seamen to be kept at <gasps> jail while they were in port. Okay, so William Marcus was another inmate there that was... Pretty shitty. His nickname, Crazy Willie. He did not only have three fingers. Okay. Though. I was wondering. <laughs> not the same one. Um, so he was from Cincinnati, moved to Charleston, married a local businessman's nanny. Her name was Maggie Stone. I love that name, Maggie. Mm-hmm. Well, things went south because he was like, Maggie. You cheating on me. And she's like, "Uh, no, I'm not. Well, what happened was he stabbed her with an ice pick 47 times. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Just a casual 47. Like, did his arm cramp up and he didn't want to do it 50? I mean, maybe he lost count. He thought (laughs) he had done 50. I mean, whoa. And he dumped her body in the sea at Folly Beach, 11 miles from downtown Charleston. Dang. hmm At their house, he went back, waited for the police to come. And when they came, he was like, she deserved it. Damn. And that reminds me of Chicago when it's like, he ran into my knife. He ran into my knife. Like, ten times or whatever. You know, he had it coming. Okay, so Marcus was convicted, jailed, and held on the third floor where the worst of the worst were held. 
Also, a lot of the mentally ill were held on this floor as well. He died at the gallows behind the jail, and ever since, his disruptive spirit has been haunting that third-story room. Uh, He's been known to throw things around, and at the time of this article, there is a school called American College of Building Arts, and they had actually purchased the jail, and they were helping to, like, they were doing, like, a trade school Mm -hmm. in there, but they were also helping to not rehabilitate. What do you call it? Um, Restore. Restore. God bless America. Yeah. So they were doing that, blah, blah, blah. Well, if there was a project going on that he didn't like, he would destroy it. What? Mm Mm-hmm. It says, while on the third floor, guests usually feel very cold breezes and experience their heart beginning to race. And downstairs, there's a spirit named Cedric. And like a group of investigators learned that Cedric was his name of the spirit. And Sean, Sean Spike of Bulldogs Tours, um, they actually paid like a million dollars to help restore the jail Mm -hmm. for the exclusive rights to do the tours. Shit. And stuff. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Mm Mm-hmm. So, okay, but Sean Spike was the tour guide, and he said that they found out it was Cedric, and he he went and looked through records and stuff to see, like, is there a Cedric, mm-hmm. you know? And he found out, yes, there was a Cedric. He was a German immigrant who was employed as a warden in the 1830s. And he said that his services were no longer needed after he was cited Five times for abusive prisoners. Which you know that shit had to be really fucking bad. Really bad. If he shit. Oh, just wait. There's more. It said, of course, wardens were supposed to punish the prisoners. Right. You know, and they could flog the the prisoners. But he was very sadistic. Of course he was. And he crossed that line. Sean found a guard's journal. And it claimed that Cedric once dumped burning embers onto someone's private parts. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ouch. Sean said he is the most violent spirit that they have in that jail. Do we know, was he killed there or is his spirit just there? I don't know. It didn't say. Okay. I want to learn why certain spirits Mm -hmm. go to certain places. Like, why would you stay in a jail? Like, that would be the worst. I know. One time, there was uh, a former bulldog tour guide, and he encountered Cedric on the ground floor. And it was like, once is all he needed to encounter Cedric. And he said he felt like an intense cold spot, like to the bone, chilled. He felt someone grab his shoulder, like, forcefully and he heard like a voice right by his ear and told him to get out and he was like you know what peace i will <laughs> like you right okay thanks for the recommendation mm-hmm. i will yeah so now about lavinia fisher so according to the legend lavinia was very attractive she had a way with men get it girl yeah she was a hustler she had husband and he of course was smitten with her too you know they ran the six mile house which was located six miles out of charleston i mean that's a 
Clever. Yeah. <laughs> really good SEO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so travelers heading in and out, they would stay there. And so it was like a bed and breakfast. Well, Lavinia would bring men into her parlor and she'd be like, would you like a spot of tea? I mean, she wasn't British. I don't know why. But I don't know why she wasn't. I mean, whatever. I don't know that that was British. Okay, so. it probably wasn't. Okay. Okay. She would be like, do you want some tea? Cheerio. Just kidding. <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah, sure. And she'd like lean over, show them their, her cleavage while she's pouring it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure. And she'd be like, oh, do you have money? Like, what are you doing? Where have you been? Blah, blah, blah. How your mama doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh, yeah, I have money. And she's like, oh, I love jewelry. Then she'd like lean over, you know. With her supple breast. <laughs> yes. So really, like, she'd be like, oh, I love jewelry. Blah, 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 blah. You know? And they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Then they'd get really sleepy. Mm. Mm. Because if they did say they had some money and they did say, you know, like, yeah. oh, I've been traveling. No one knows where I am. Yeah. All the shit that you should not say. Right. They say, well, she has some little oleander leaves that, of course, are poisonous. And there they go. And they're like, oh, I'm kind of groggy. And they're like, hey, John, come let's help him get into bed. And then a few minutes later, John pulls a trap door <gasps> thing. And so the bed falls down into a pit. What? Mm-hmm. Damn, that's fancy. Right. Okay. And clever. I mean, it's awful, but it's fucking clever. Right. People, people who, like, do crimes like that are so fucking <laughs> smart sometimes. And I'm like, just harness it to, like, create a new invention or something. Right. I mean, maybe we have Murphy beds for, from them. Oh, damn. That's so smart. Was <laughs> that their kidding. last name? No. Just kidding. <laughs> it's Fisher. <laughs> we got catfish from them. That's what we got. Damn. One night, well, when it says John would finish him off if... The fall didn't kill him or the poison didn't kill him. Relieve the corpse of all the valuables. And he would put the bed back and dispose of the body. Damn. Be like, oh, just doing some house cleaning. No worries. Don't mind me going up the stairs (laughs) with the bed. Just kidding. He probably had like a rope and pulley or something. Right. Okay. So one evening, a fellow by the name of John People stopped over. She took him to his her parlor and offered him some tea. And he didn't really like tea, but he was like, okay. You know, didn't want to be mean. Yeah, she's beautiful. Doesn't uh-huh. hurt her feelings. Yeah. And, I mean, he wanted to see her probably bend over. But when she had her back turned, he actually poured the tea out into a plant. Oh! <gasps> Yeah. Well, then over the course, like, he kind of got the willies from her because she's, like, asking all of these fucking questions. And, of course, before she could get away with it because people were being poisoned. Right. And so they don't know what the fuck they're really saying. Right. He's got all his wits about him. And he's like, uh, this. This is odd. Like, I'm going to nope out of here. Yeah. Also, John, he's, like, just looming around like, oh, you need something? Yeah. Uh, Oh, he good still? Okay. You know, like... Okay, okay, Lurch, back yeah. off. <laughs> yes. So he was like, you know what? I'm kind of tired. So I'm going to go to bed. 
And they're like, oh, okay, well, here you go. And, to, you know, they think this is working. Mm-hmm. So then he gets there into his bed and he's like, you know what? I'm not really tired. So I'm just going to sit in this chair, read, like not lay in bed. He's like me. He doesn't like to be in the bed unless he's asleep. Yeah. So he's sitting there in the chair and he's like kind of close to the door. Like that's where the chair was. All of a sudden, the bed just drops to the floor, like from the floor. Damn. Could you imagine? (laughs) Well, he's like. The fuck? Yeah. Jumps up and he's like, oh, shit. Like, sinkhole, something, you know. Yeah. Goes to open the door to be like, help, help. Yeah. Well, who's there? Lavinia and John. And they're like, hey. And he's like, oh, fuck. Shuts the door, (gasps) puts a chair underneath the door, jumps out the window. He's like, shit's going down. Yeah. You know, because, like, why were they right there? Yes. You know, like, it does not take, like, me to put that together. Yeah. So he goes, runs all the way back to Charleston. So that's six six miles miles away. Damn, he ran a... He's Forrest Gump. Um, 10K. I had to think about that for a minute. Golly. And so he tells the police, and then they go and get them, and now they're in jail. I mean, did they not think he was going to tell the police? Like, why didn't they run? Right. Well, I found out it could be too good to be true, that story. So they said, here's what really happened. So they had a number of reports of robberies, the police. Well, highway robberies were like you got sentenced to death because it was such a commerce place. And so they're like... People don't want to come here because of this. We're fucked. Yeah. So, so shit happens. So they're like, all right, let's go see where these people are staying. Whatever. Let's go find these people. They first go to the five mile house, which is five miles. Stop it. (laughs) Kid you not. And obviously it says it's located one mile from John and Lavinia's Inn. Thanks for doing the math for me, Google. Okay. I really needed Google Maps for that one. Yeah. Good Lord. Well, the police burned that. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's savage. They were not taking shit. They were like, fuck y'all. We got to keep our tourism up. <laughs> fuck you, Five Mile House. Yeah. They're like, people doing shit. Let's go. Let's go burn it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Then they went to Six Mile House and evicted the Fishers. In their place, they left a fellow named Dave Ross. He sounds like a nice, upstanding citizen. Mm-hmm. Well, the next day, the gang shows up to the inn, and Dave's like, uh, hi? You know, but they're like, we want our fucking inn, and we're going to fuck you up, you know? So they drag him outside, and he sees Lavinia, beautiful girl. He's like, okay, maybe she can help me. Like, she's obviously not with these people. No, no, no. She's a ringleader. (laughs) Yeah. She choked him. (gasps) Then rammed his face through a window. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. But then, a couple hours later, the gang got John Peoples. Like, they robbed him of $40. Peoples went and told the uh, John Peoples, not... Mm-hmm. People. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that bad at grammar. Um, they, w- they, God bless America, he went and told the police um, and... Dave Ross was like, he's telling the truth. Like, holy fuck, she fucked me up. Yeah. You know? Um, 
So they got charged with highway robbery, which means death. death. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so since they were married, they were kept on the upper floor in a room together. They nearly escaped. John actually escaped, but Lavinia couldn't get all the way out. Probably because she had to wear a damn dress. Right? <laughs> what? So John, being loyal and being wooed by her, we're like, what? Not where? God bless America. He was like, all right, get me. Put me back up in there. Yeah. You know? Fuck that. I'm like, no sex is that good. No. Boy, go get you some mac and cheese. It's just as good. <laughs> oh, God. You sounded like Cindy from uh Thing. Uh, or just a new black. black. Yeah. She's my favorite. Uh, okay. So, in South Carolina at the time, married women could not be killed, executed. Are oh. we listening to The Handmaid's Tale? Right. However, so, Lavinia was like, hmm, hmm, hmm. You know, like, can't kill me. But the judge was like, "Oh, contraire, we gonna kill your husband first, and then you'll be a widow, and we'll fucking kill your ass." Damn, savage. Damn. So she was like, "Fuck." Oh, fuck. You know, probably like pulled her bra and was like, "Fuck it," like I'm done. Damn, but, savage. But she wasn't done. So John, he went to the gallows peacefully. Was like. Whatever. But just as they were about to pull the hatch, mm -hmm, he was like, I'm innocent. But bam, he did. So a little bit later, you know, she's Mm got to be a widow. Mm -hmm. It was her turn. It said that she wore a white wedding dress. Oh, God. (laughs) Because she was hoping that her beauty and like that people would take pity on her i.e. a man, and be like, hold on, I'll marry her. Like, I feel like all Damn. I can think about is um, uh, the Hunger Games when she's like, I'll volunteer as tribute or whatever. Like, Never saw it. What? Mm-mm, never saw it. How are we friends? I don't know. Okay, so no man stood up and whatever. So when she realized that, oh, fuck, I'm going to die, she was like, Fuck all y'all. Like, going crazy. You know, like... Yeah. Being hysterical. And they were probably like, a typical woman. Because you know how these men were. So they had to drag her up to the gallows, kicking and screaming. It said, uh, the crowd stood shocked in silence while she cut short one curse after another and ended with a folly of shrieks. Damn. Yeah. And it said that her last words... Before she died was, if you have a message you want to send to hell, give it to me and I'll carry it. Another version said, it says, if any of you have a message to give to the devil, give it to me quick. I'm about to meet him. Damn. I mean, she knew where she was going. Shit. But like, how like creepy is that, though? Like, yeah. So that's your lasting thing. This woman wore a fucking white wedding dress to die. And then she's like. Peace out, homies. Give me your email because, like, I'm going to talk to El Diablo for you. So, in 2011, Ghost Adventures. Damn. <laughs> Always. All right, Josh. Zach. Cut. Zach. You better know my boo-boo name. Zach. Yes. Okay. 
with a Z-A-K. Oh, of course. He edgy, girl. He edgy. He's in his bedazzled jeans. <laughs> yes. I like make that joke. Joke. Quote. Let me do air quotes around joke. <laughs> Every single time we talk about him. Because that's really all I know about him. Mm-hmm. I put him in there. Like, I have my bedazzler. Doom, doom, doom. And my caboodle. So, 2011, my boo was there, and they investigated. And so, they were asking Lavinia, like, who did you go talk to? Are you here? You know, the whole spiel. And in response, she said, the devil. Damn. And so, they're like, skirt. Lavinia, did you just say the devil? And she said, yeah. What the fuck? Right. Crazy. Just a, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'd be like, tell the devil, don't come get me. She's a woman of few words. (laughs) Oh, God. So, some other spirits roam. There's a young boy who was shot accidentally by one of the wardens. Okay, so there's reports like heavy doors that slam, objects that move, some that even disappear, voices in empty rooms. One investigation team, they saw a shadowy humanoid figure, which we know is shadow people. Mm -hmm. It was traveling down one of the corridors and then vanished, which I never want to see a fucking shadow person. Me neither. They sound so creepy. Right? No, thank you. Because you know you're like... Is that something? No, that's, oh, fuck, that's something. Yeah. And then it's either gone or, like, on you. Yeah, I'll pass. Yeah. Anything that says humanoid, no thanks. Yeah. Mm -mm. Orbs are all over the place, of course. People have heard chains dragging on the floor. Oh, God. It's like, oh, mm, no. A lot of people say they see the ghost of Lavinia Fisher in her white dress. She will scream. She will scratch. She's a bitch. Okay, so during a renovation in 2000, like 2000, the Y2K, the building was locked for months and sealed off because of lead paint contamination. Mm. But when they opened it, they saw like bare footprints on (gasps) the floor. What? Like in the dust. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then one of the workers saw an apparition of a jailer with a rifle on the third floor. He passed through the bars, heading towards him, and then vanished. Holy shit. I would have been like, oh, no, I'm out. Or could have been the lead paint. Right? They've heard sounds of the dumbwaiter passing through the floors. It's not in working condition. Yeah. So about the things that disappear... In 2006, a woman's ring vanished from, she was wearing it, and then she wasn't, they couldn't find it. And then a man's handkerchief, that was like a personal thing to him, probably Mm -hmm. like his father's or something, it vanished in June of 2006, and none of them could find it in the jail. And again, it's a big jail, but like, the handkerchief... I feel like should have been easier to find than a ring. Maybe. Yeah. I guess because I'm picturing like a handkerchief being like uh, more of a bandana kind of thing and not like a white. No, I, that, though, to me, those two things coming up missing, or those are easy to explain away. Yeah. True. Because I didn't even think, though, about no glass. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so if they were close to the window or something. Especially the handkerchief. But the other, like, did it fall down a grate or is it? Yeah. You know, I mean. True, true. I get you on that. Did it fall off in the parking lot that she didn't even, you know? Yeah. In the basement, a man had his sunglasses knocked off. I would have been like, peace. Also, in the basement, it'll be like 90 degrees, but you can see your breath because it'll be like a cold spot. Yeah. Alarms set and reset themselves, but I mean, hell, that's like any alarm. Yeah, that's like technology shit. Yeah. I mean, if you walk past it, it would do that. Exactly. People have seen a black man in ragged clothing, and he, like, just goes through the walls. Dang. Yeah. During the tours, there have been numerous cell phone disruptions. Sometimes they get calls from unknown numbers, answer it, and nothing's there. Or batteries are drained, and then when they leave, it's fully charged again. Well, that's weird. Yeah. They said, like, the heavy iron door fell off its hinges one time for no apparent reason, like, while they were doing a tour. Wow. Could you imagine? You would scream so loud if you heard, like, that (laughs) heavy-ass door. Like, oh, my gosh. There's this torture uh, contraption called the crane of pain, which I'll talk about in a minute. It has, like, a lot of ropes and... The ropes have been, like, intertwined for no reason because, like, no one's supposed to mess with it. And, yeah. like, it's basically a relic. You know, like, why would any worker mess with it? And mm-hmm. no one's, like, alone by themselves without a guide. So it's like, who did that? Yeah. Oh, a Charleston police, he investigated in 2006. An alarm went off. He found the back door open, so he went in. Gun, like, ready, you know, mm-hmm. gun drawn. He went up a spiral st- a spiral staircase. And when he reached the third floor, which, again, is where, like, the bad of the yeah. bad, he said he had a strange sensation. It was like his arms were wrapped in plastic wrap. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, I don't even want to feel that. Like, no, me neither. Ugh. No. Though it did make me picture fried green tomatoes when she's thinking that she's going to open it in uh, saran wrap or whatever. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, I can't see your face, so. Yeah, no. Well, she, yes. If I open the door, if I answer the door wearing saran wrap, would you be different? He's like, "Uh, I'd have you committed. Oh, God. Okay. Several guides and, like, some visitors, but normally the guides, they have a choking sensation. And they'll have, like, shortness of breath and everything while on that main staircase. I mean, I'm not having a fucking staircase in my house. Uh, too many Too things. much shit happens on staircases. Yeah, like, mm-mm. Meanwhile, though, let's be honest, I'd be out of breath on the stairs, too. <laughs> True. I'd be like, oh, I'm choking. Oh, never mind. It's not a ghost. I'm just fat. Also, they become queasy. And complain of foul odor. Again, could be someone doing that. Absolutely. One guide felt a rope snake around her ankles, but nothing was there. Ooh. Ooh. No. That's how I feel about a cat moving it out of my legs. <laughs> you are so funny. Oh, God. I love that. <laughs> Even though I'm allergic, so there's that. Numerous visitors have been pushed or shoved. Hopefully not on the staircase, but... I mean, who knows? 
There was a rogue owl that came in. I was about in. to say the owl did it. <laughs> I have a picture of this, but there's an original wheelchair from the 1820s. And it's, you know, I mean, it's in a jail cell. It's creepy because it's old as fuck. Yeah. And the, you know, they just look creepy. Yeah. Like, in any fashion of the way, like, they're creepy. The back of the chair and the armrest, they get dusty. As does, like, the very back of the seat. But, like, where your butt would be doesn't get dusty. What? hmm And suddenly, I mean, and, and sometimes it turns suddenly during the tours. So it's like someone is sitting in it. Yeah. I found this story on some forum, and it was by Austin. And he said that him and his mom went to the jail And it was about 25, 30 people there, and they were standing kind of in a U-shape. But then he felt kind of, he was by the doorway. He felt like a breeze, and he's like, there's no breeze, though. And his mom felt it, too, because they kind of looked at each other, but were like, okay. But then it was, like, cold. It got colder. And he said, like, looking around, no one else was really feeling, like, It was hot as fuck, Mm -hmm. and then it was cold. Yeah. But then he said, like, he could feel the air being cold and moving around him, but it was definitely coming from the hall. And he said that he could feel it on certain parts of his body at certain times. So, like, it was moving. Yeah. He said that he asked the guide, is there any ventilation? Like, is there something else going on? And he said there was none. And he said it felt like someone walking at a slow pace in one solid mass. Like, no, I don't want to feel that. No, thank you. Though, if I was in a hot-ass thing, I'd be like, all right, come walk through me because I'm hot. Yeah, can just come stand by me. <laughs> yes. FYE, Beyond the Grave, it's a blog by Harper Richards. And on March 14th, 2016... She went to the Charleston jail, obviously. I don't know why I keep saying that because, duh. She said their bulldog tour guide was Stephen Beard. So the she said that they learned that the preferred method of execution was by a contraption called the jerker. And it said the condemned man stood on the ground Inside the double compartmented gallows shed, the hangman on a, on a signal released the lever, which dropped a heavy iron weight five feet into the ground, and the man's body was jerked into the air and fell back a few feet, which broke his neck. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. So, instead of them falling, you know, like. Yeah. The, hanging. Yeah. It, they did this. I mean, I guess kind of a little roller coaster ride. <laughs> I mean, and it's faster because sometimes hanging doesn't break your neck and you like yeah, choke. But, but I feel like it depends on how you land too, though. Yeah. I don't know. My luck, I'd land on my back. Oh my gosh. So that they were outside the jail seeing the jerker thing moved in and she said that she kind of got a tight chest and couldn't breathe. And she mentioned it to him and he's like, hey, People sometimes pass out, you know, like, kind of serious. It'll probably pass, but just kind of be mindful of it. And she was like, okay, that kind of freaked me out because she thought 
maybe it's allergies, lots of dust, whatever. And like, no, you could be having a reaction to the ghost. Yeah. Okay. And on the bottom floor is where they kept the crane of pain, which I mentioned earlier about the ropes. She said the victim of this contraption would be constrained vertically with their limbs stretched to the point of dislocation. The screams of the victim, which could easily be heard on the above floors. So, you know, the prisoners could hear this. So this was their way of, like, teaching a lesson. So, like, y'all fuck up. You're going down to the crane of pain. You know, and so slowly but surely, shit stopped happening. You know, like, a lot of the riots quit. A lot of the raping quit. Because who wants to be tortured like that? Then to go back up into where you're like a sardine in the heat, like with, you know. Right after you've just been pulled limb from limb. Yeah. So then they went up to the top floor of the jail. And they said that that used to be called Mount Rascal because that was the floor that held. All the rascals. Mm Mm-hmm. The hardened criminals. And he said that. This was the spot where a lot of the most vicious ghost attacks happened. He said a woman received a um, big bite mark on her shoulder. Like, one, don't do that in public. <laughs> Damn. Also, a 16-year-old boy was reduced to tears after he claimed his back was on fire. After they examined him, three large claw marks were found extending down his back. And Lavinia is... Supposed to be the one who does three marks. However, thinking back on the Sally house, I think a lot of Tony's scratches were like three marks. I wonder why. Maybe that's like the demonic shit. Maybe. Or it was three finger Willie. I mean, that was my first thought. (laughs) Steven, the tour guide, he said he'd been touched, had things thrown at him, scratched, Heard things, seen things, and had been, like, bumped. He said he loved being a tour guide. Wouldn't change anything. However, he did have to take an extended break from his job after, like, one experience where where a lady seemingly became possessed inside of the jail. Oh, my gosh. Like, a uh, skirt? No. Like, what'd she do? Do we know? Uh, no, that's all it said. She said before leaving the jail, they went down to the ground floor, which was once the jailer's quarters, which no longer really existed. The crane of pain, the the debtor's prison, solitary confinement, and a section for troubles, troubled some children. She said the solitary confinement section stuck out to her because it was pretty extreme, like especially to today's standards. Yeah. Again, the prisoner would be locked up in a cramped coffin and kept in a room that had heated walls. Like, hotter anyway. Damn. Heated walls and in a fucking coffin? No, thank you. No. It said troubled children such as orphans or street urchins. What is that? What the fuck? I'm like, um, that's mean. That sounds terrible. And poor orphans, like... I know. They didn't do it. Right. So they were kept on the bottom floor of the octagonal section, or however you say it. There had been a juvenile ghost scene, and there was also a little boy that got shot accidentally that died there. 
And so ghost hunters have come to communicate with them and they'll bring like a toy, usually a ball like we've seen before. And it's on a cement floor that's not curved, not slanted or anything. And the ball will move and whatnot. And so that is the old Charleston jail. Damn. I want to go, but I don't. Like, I want to go, but not during the day because ain't nobody got time to be hot. Unless it's cold outside. Yeah. Then I would go during the day. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't want to go at night because you know that shit's scary as fuck. It is scary. Ugh. But I would want to go at night. Because then I know I can leave unless I get thrown down the stairs, which could happen. But that's it. You can leave during the day. Yeah, true. But I would want to be scared. Not like that. I feel like you could get plenty fucking scared during the day. True. I will say that I have been to, I was going to say Shawshank. I haven't. Where have I been? Alcatraz. And they had like a guided tour, you know. That shit was scary. Like I'm walking, listening, and then they have the sound effects like of the doors closing and stuff. And I was like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's scary. Mm -mm. I was like, Donna. How you know it was sound effects? Oh, don't even say that. It might not have been. Fuck. Fuck, don't even say that. Don't even go there. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm going to be laying in bed and being like, oh my God, was that a ghost? (laughs) But anyway, so I think what's even scarier than the haunting, though, is what happened before. Which is always the case. Yeah, always. I mean, though, don't get me wrong. If I went there and something happened, I'd been like... Fuck. Yeah. But sitting here in the comfort of my home, the past was way scarier. Right. But that just shows you that trouble, torment, torture usually leads, 99% of the time, leads to a fucking haunting. Mm-hmm. Or a serial killer. Okay. Per your request... Ooh. I did a stalking oh, slash yeah. kidnapping. Oh, both of my requests. Yes. Because apparently I love things with S's. I don't know what I was going to say. Like, it sounds bad that I'm requesting these yeah. things. <laughs> Can you please tell me how to be a better stalker and kidnapper? <laughs> Thanks. Asking for a friend. <laughs> Okay, I've actually seen an episode of Your Worst Nightmare on ID on this story. Oh, my God. I watched that, too. What if I've seen it? You may have. You could add to a story. Okay. I mean, we're going to get to the point where you've heard. I don't want to. Oh, Go God. Ahead. Okay. So, it is about the kidnapping and stalking of Mary Stouffer. Is she of the Stouffer, like, lasagna? No, because it's S-top? No, it's S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R. Oh, like Stouffer? Um, that's probably right. <laughs> Are you hungry? Hold, please. <laughs> Someone's okay. on a diet and someone's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she's right. It's Mary Stouffer. Stouffer. Dang, I wanted some lasagna. <laughs> Beef stroganoff? I don't know, something. <laughs> Man, hamburger helper. Oh, I'm. that's about the only thing I can cook. Oh. Okay, so Mary Stoffer, <laughs> Mary, 
she was born June 20th, 1943. And when she was 16, she met her husband, Irving. They graduated college in 1965. She had a degree in math with a minor in music. And her husband attended seminary school. And then they were missionaries in the Philippines. Oh, wow. I have not heard of this at all. Okay. They had two kids, Elizabeth, who went by Beth, and Stephen. So they had gone to the Philippines and I think had been there for a little while. And they had moved back to the States just for like a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And they were about to leave to go back to the Philippines for another four-year hitch. (laughs) Yeah, that. (laughs) This is the episode that Donna's actually right on stuff. <laughs> that's, I feel like that's all episodes. Mm. But okay, so they were supposed to leave again on May 21st of 1980. They were mostly packed up. This is about four days before. And Mary took her, took her Elizabeth daughter, <laughs> took her daughter Elizabeth or Beth. And we'll call her Beth. Beth. Yeah. They had to go out and run a, a few little last errands. And one of the things that they had to do was stop and get Beth. A haircut. So when Mary and Beth left the salon, a man walked up to them and held them at gunpoint. Oh, God. And forced them into the car and made Mary, like, climb over into the driver's seat and drive. And so they drove for a little while. And Mary kept saying, like, because, you know, they're missionaries. And so she kept being like, we're Christians. We're we're gonna. We'll help you. Like we don't have to report this. Like we will help you. What do you need? Blah blah blah. And he's like, just drive. And so Mary drove to like a secluded area. Oh gosh. Because he told her to. Yeah. And then he made her get out. And Elizabeth. He tied them up and put them both in the trunk of her, Mary's car. Oh my god. So they're in the back of the then the trunk. And so they start. He starts driving off. Well. Mary and Elizabeth are in the back, like, because she's the Beth was eight years old at the time. Okay? Oh, little baby. Yes. And so they were making noises in the back of the in the trunk because they were praying. Mary was trying to keep Beth calm, you know, and so they were praying. And so he stopped the car and was like, shut the fuck up, you know, mm-hmm. like, be quiet or I'm going to kill you both kind of thing. And so. They kept praying and kept praying. And so he when he stopped too, he put duct tapes, duct tape over their mouths because like he was like, people can hear you, blah, blah, blah. So they're like trying to loosen their their straps and stuff. And one thing says that Mary actually got some of Beth's like the duct tape and some of her um restraint. Yes. Off of her wrist. But then some stuff said that Beth was actually the one that was able to do it. But either way, Beth was kind of partially freed. And then, so again, they stopped again in this kind of park area mm-hmm. for a second time. And so again, they stopped because he was tired of them making the noises. And he was threatening to, like, put the spare tire on them and just, like, like you know, because they're making noise. He's yeah. like, shut the fuck up. Well, while they're stopped, because they stopped in, like, this park area. A young boy comes up to the car and is like, hey, what's going on? And, like, the guy throws him in the trunk with him and, like, shuts him in. And then he drove off to a secluded area, removed the boy from the trunk, 
and beat him to death with a metal rod. Oh, no. And left him in the park. Oh, gosh. So the boy that came up to see what was like, hey, what's going on? His name was Jake, Jason Wilkman. He was six years old. Six years old? I know. Like, why did he kill him? So, okay. He could have just dumped him somewhere. That He's six years old. I know. So Jason Wilkman, had, like, he was playing in the park with another little boy when he disappeared. And his friend and him were both kind of walking up to car to see what was up. But Jason was the one that, like, got closer. So his friend really saw everything and, like, ran home and was, like, bawling, crying. Like, somebody took Jason. Six years old. Yes. And so the kid was able to give some really good description of the car. Mm -hmm. And so about that time, like, as the kid was being discovered that he had been missing we, they were Mary's family was kind of putting the pieces together that they were missing mm -hmm. and so when the kid told them all about the car that was used to kidnap Jason they were like wait I think that's Mary's car Oh, and so they were gosh. starting to put the pieces together of, yeah. okay, something something bad happened. We think maybe he was kidnapped with them, but that's also, how you know, that's weird. Yeah. How, how did, did that, that happen? happen? So Mary and Beth are driven to this man's house. He gets them out. They're blindfolded. And they're, like, shackled and kind of chained together. And so he walks them inside and then opens Does his... Does he have, like, a garage door? Like, a garage that he's... Well, I don't know. It's 1980. No, I'm just trying to think, like, how I mean, do you could have. Get... You could have. I'm just trying to think, how does he get him in, shackled and blindfolded? He must have a garage. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just... I have to picture shit. Wait, vey. This is, like, the most <laughs> detail I've ever given. <laughs> and you're like, I need more. Gosh. <laughs> I don't like detail. No. So... He takes him into the house and opens this, like, tiny bedroom closet and throws him in there. And once they were in the closet, they were able to take their blindfolds off. And Mary says that she got the feeling that the closet was, like, had been prepared for them. Oh, fuck. She said, obviously, they survived because I'm telling you she said. She's telling us about the closet. So there was a rug on the floor and then there were, like, two small throw pillows he had taken, like, a screwdriver and removed the door handle from the inside. And so they were just locked in this, like, 21-inch wide closet that's, like, four feet long. When they, he was putting them in the closet, Mary realized, like, oh, shit, he knows me. Because he called her Miss Stoffer. What? And then she was like, how do you know me? And he wouldn't answer. So... The next afternoon, he unlocked the closet and told Mary to come out. Mary said that he blindfolded her, brought her into the living room of his house, and made her lay on the floor with her hands tied above her head and her legs, like, on a piece of the furniture. And she said, then he started, like, what almost felt like an interview process. Like, he was asking her a ton of questions. He was quizzing her with all these different questions about her time because she used to be a math teacher and would ask, like, if she recognized him and she was like, I'm sorry, I don't. So how is she supposed to recognize him if she's got a blindfold on? Beats the hell out of me. I guess they took it off. I don't know. Because okay. she did say, because she had said before that 
she when took he, it off. When they yeah, but then when she he took her into the living room, she said he blindfolded me. Yeah. So I guess he took them off. Or like that one time that he had a gun to her. How is she supposed to recognize anyone yeah. with a fucking gun to her? Who knows? Okay. He told Mary his name was Ming Xu. He said that he had tried to capture her several times. <laughs> Once he tried to break into her house using a blowtorch. Holy fuck. And, like, they found that. Like, he tried to essentially, like, blowtorch the hinges off of their, oh. like, front door. And they found it, but oh just, like, replaced it and went on with their lives. Yeah. There was another... When I feel like he put... He's one of those people that put way too much thought into that mm-hmm. and then fucked it up because it's like, this would be ingenious. This is how you do it. And then it's like, oh. So basically, he's me every time I get an outfit in my head. And I'm <laughs> yes. like, this would be the best outfit. And I put it on. I'm like, why do I look like an Oompa Loompa? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> oh, God. So he said that two days before the kidnapping, well, he didn't say this. But two days before the kidnapping, Mary woke up at 4 a.m. because she heard a noise in the mm-hmm. living room. And so she went to check it, like, see, like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And she saw that there was a man standing outside her living room window. Oh, my God. Well, that was him. Holy fuck. She ran to get her husband. Um, but, like, when they, like, got back there, there was nobody there. Well, Ming told her, yeah, that was me. Wow. Yeah. He would later say that he actually attempted to, like, kidnap her or, like, get into their house three times. hmm Because they lived at, I think it was Bethel University, like, in apartments at the university. hmm Because he was, I think her husband was a professor there, maybe. But they did, like, all the missionary work and all that. So yeah. that's where they lived. Well, Ming went into the basement below their apartment because i guess they were like on the first floor in the basement and went to where their bedroom is and like drilled a hole (gasps) above like underneath their bed so he could like hear them talking and stuff oh that's creepy that is such a violation like oh i mean gosh of all the things we're going to talk about today the fact that that bothered me the most is well not the most but one of the most was is pretty stupid but that is such a violation because then you're thinking, shit, now I have to check underneath my bed. Because, because why would you? Yeah. Oh, well, if God. he did that in my house, he'd be like, <coughs> because of all the dust, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, it serves you right, honey. <laughs> now you have asbestosis in your lungs. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. Mary said that, like, other things that he said during kind of this interview process where he was, like, spilling his beans you know about everything he had done she said that clearly he had been stalking them for a little while because he knew that beth had a little makeup barbie that stayed on her dresser in her room oh my god he knew that they had totally had that too. did you Uh it was the head oh yeah Mm -hmm. and the shoulders like yes it was a what is that a a uh a bust bust. yeah so it's me finding words a bust (laughs) Um, but (laughs) thanks for being the sound effects. (laughs) She said that he even knew that they had a son named Steve. He knew that Mary's parents had been to visit. 
She said that he even knew where the spare key to the apartment was. Why didn't he which, use it? That's exactly what I was about to say, which doesn't make sense because, yeah, why didn't he just use the key instead of a blowtorch and a peephole? I don't know. Yeah. I don't fucking know. Could you imagine if he, like, okay, so if he drilled it and he, like, it was a peephole, right? Like, mm-hmm. all the way through. What if he got, like, a long stick and, like, just poked underneath the bed? You know what I mean? I'd be like, what the fuck was Damn. that? Then I would be like, We're, our house is fucking haunted. Yeah. You know, like, because, again, you wouldn't see the hole. Yeah, no, because, I mean, it's like under, I mean. Yeah, even if you're like, oh, God, something's under the bed. And you look, you wouldn't see it. You're not going to think about that. You're going to be like, looking for something, not something, like, in the floor. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean. I just, oh, my God. Sorry. Now I just pictured, you know, those telescopes or yes. whatever. <laughs> and it's like. Mm-mm. <laughs> like, um. In a submarine or whatever. Yeah. I just try to think about if someone actually, like, spied on me like that, the shit that they would see me do. Oh, my God. Well, they'd be like, this girl's nasty. Right? Because <laughs> people are nasty. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, when you're by yourself. Oh, my gosh. One time I had, okay, so sometimes I keep my phone in my bra, and I was huffing and puffing getting groceries, unloading groceries and stuff. And I heard something and I had called, I think, Carrie. I think so. And I was like, uh, hello? Because, <laughs> you know, like when you're by yourself and you're doing something, you're just like, oh, God, you know, and, yes. just like, <sighs> and you just let yourself breathe heavy and not yeah. care and whatever. And I was like, oh, God, like, I felt so fucking small. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, you've seen the real me. (laughs) You know, but it's just when you're alone, you let yourself do stuff you would never do. Yeah. Well, besides us, because we're gross together. (laughs) (laughs) When you've been friends this long. Yeah. But, oh, my God. Well, one, he'd be like, who's she talking to? Why is no one answering her? (laughs) Why does this girl always sleep? Is what he would say to me. Is that all she does? He'd be like, can you stop watching Never Been Kissed and Ever After? I'm tired of this fucking show. He's like, damn, I'm glad this girl likes ID. I'm getting some good ideas. (laughs) He's taking notes down there. (laughs) Oh, next time, don't use the blowtorch. Use the key. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So let's back up a little bit. And figure out who Ming Sin Shu is. Okay. So he was born October 15th, 1950. <laughs> <laughs> 1950. In okay. Taiwan. He was eight years old when his mother, him, and his two siblings moved to Minnesota. But that's a difference. Chain, right? His father... Faja. That's what I thought you were going to say. Farger? What's a Farger? (laughs) His father was a professor at the University of Minnesota. Like, that's how they got into Minnesota. Minnesota. (laughs) His father actually died three years after they got there. But one thing interesting about his father... This is what I wrote. His father created a forest thing to understand the resources in the forest. (laughs) (laughs) Real detailed. (laughs) The thing I was like actually listening to said what it was, but it's something I think like to track resources in the forests to to see like 
what's being used and, mm. you know, just keep, but anyway, it's still used to this day. Wow. Something good from the family, something bad from the family. Yes. So when Ming's father died, based on their family tradition, well, the, the Taiwanese tradition, mm-hmm. you know, the oldest son then becomes like the man of the house, right? Yeah. Which I feel like is a thing here too. Yeah. So Ming was like, hells yeah, I'm the head of the house now. And he, so he like tried to be a father to his younger siblings, but not in like a, let me put you under my wing and let me teach you how to throw a baseball. No, in a um, like abusive, mm-hmm. yeah, type of I'm domineering, you have to do what I say kind of way. Yeah. He was very violent towards them and he would beat them both like during adolescence just because he felt like he was in charge. Mm-hmm. So when he was in his teens, he was starting to dabble in some criminal activity. He, Lovely. Yeah. He was, I think he was working at some apartments. I think he was kind of like a... Maintenance? Maybe? Yeah, like a fix-it Felix kind of thing. <laughs> so the reason why he like was in the apartments, had access to me, is kind of fuzzy because he was only 14. But like one thing said that he, again, was like a maintenance type mm-hmm. man there. He worked off the books. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, so he set fire to three people's apartments. What the fuck? Yes. He's not dabbling. He's throwing himself right up into that shit. I know. And then, like, he would, like, throw rocks at people's cars. Which that I to- motherfucker. I totally did that one time when I was a kid. And they stopped. <laughs> and, like, he started backing up and we fucking ran. Why are you like that? Just one time and then it scared the shit out of me and I never did it again. Well, good. Could you imagine if I was an adult? I mean, well, I am one now, but <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> but, like, if a kid did that to me, I would be like, that motherfucker. Girl. I didn't. One. I don't even think I hit it. I was probably like five. Should we cut that out? No, that's funny. <laughs> In a, you're a terrible person kind of way. <laughs> if a kid did that to me now, like I, I don't know what I would do. But I don't either. Honestly, what would you do? You'd probably be like, "What the fuck was that? What I just run over." Well, one, I'd probably where if like I was in your neighborhood, I'd stop the car. And I'd probably have some kind of shit because, you know, my back seat's always got some kind of shit up in it. <laughs> like, something. Throw a shoe at him or something. Yes. <laughs> Hit him in their fucking time. throat and be like, you fucking kid. <laughs> Learn your lesson. I'm doing society a favor. I know someone like you and he fucking kidnapped somebody. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, ma'am, you need to back away. <laughs> for Ming's punishment for the arson, he was just ordered to participate in psychotherapy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ming's mom said that he was a really difficult child because he was, like, uncontrollable. He was, he always had to be right. I'm like, damn, is she describing my childhood? <laughs> well, apparently so. <laughs> <laughs> she said that like he would not take any responsibility for his like his behavior but also like his physical behavior towards like his siblings and stuff and so it made her feel really fearful to him Mm -hmm. 
Well, now what I'm about to tell you will make you understand why she was fearful. Oh, God. I don't actually know all the details to this as to whether or not, like, the mom truly knew this. But so when he, like, after his dad died and all, he snuck into his mom's bedroom. Mm-hmm. Cut a hole in the pants of her pajamas and, like, used a flashlight to look at her vagina. The fuck? <laughs> That's so disgusting. Like, of all the things on this planet. Like, what? <laughs> how did, How was she asleep? I thought the same thing. Look, when I was a kid, if I, like walked just walked into my parents room mom would wake up and be like what's wrong yeah you know yeah beats the fuck out of me i can't go get a midnight snack without someone hearing me i know i know yeah, probably she took like four sleeping pills and was like fuck these kids yeah because she's like i got three of these all by my fucking self now yeah. meanwhile edward scissorhands down there <laughs> like <laughs> Oh like, how God. big of a fucking hole was it? <laughs> how I mean, because did... if it's, like, a small one, um, what you seeing? <laughs> and. I don't know. I mean, whatever. But, wow. Yeah, I wish y'all could have seen her face. <laughs> she was giving me, like, the Britney Spears gift <laughs> meets. You know the kid that's trying to make the decision between, like, the two, the big old kid, poor little baby, and he's, like, trying to make the decision between the two ice cream things in his hands? (laughs) You were, like, if those two gifts had a baby, that was your face. (laughs) Like, I can't understand that. I can't either. That's, it's fucking weird. He's odd. Okay. What do you do, though? See, this is, again, number 25,000 million trillion, why I don't need kids, because what do you do? Like, how do you control that? Because, you know, if it's like a you kid. Like, you got sleep? And, well, and if it's a kid that's, like, five, four, I don't fucking know. Three, two, one. You know, you talk about boundaries mm-hmm. and these, you know, these. Blah, but blah, I mean, like, for things. him. But I'm saying, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But for a teenager. Like, he's setting fire to shit. He's throwing you rocks You fucking send him to juvie and there's no going back. I mean, like, I don't know. Because there's. For someone like this, I really, truly, there. I don't feel like there's any rehabilitating. So, like, goes back to our conversation earlier. Like, even if you sent him to juvie. Yeah, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to do he's anything. He's going to be worse. Yes. Because he's going to thrive in that. And it's like, but what do you do? Because you can't live in this torture. Right. And you have your kids to think about. Who he is already, like, being violent towards. You know, the mm-hmm. other kids and stuff. And so I don't know. And I'm, you know, and I think that show Evil Lives Here mm-hmm. does a really good job of highlighting like the torture that it is for the yes. family to figure out how to operate and control people with these types of behaviors. And because there is no way. Like, how right. do you? I don't fucking know. Like, dope him up on, give him a lots of Benadryl. Be like, you want to, you want to, Applesauce, that's what I always had to take my medicine with. Damn. (laughs) Because I couldn't swallow pills until I was like uh, 13. When I was a kid, the doctor told my parents, like, I can't remember how old I was, maybe six or seven, to start practicing getting red hots and just swallowing those. 
So that's how I learned how to swallow pills. Really? Uh Uh-huh. And there went your candy addiction. (laughs) (laughs) Or pill addiction. No. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Sort of. No, I really am. (laughs) No, I really am. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. So from 1965 to 1966, Ming attended Alexander Ramsey High School. So that is where he met Mary. She was his ninth grade math teacher, and he had a crush on her. Damn. Yeah, he later said, like, that... He he, carried a torch. He loved that fire. He did. That he started fantasizing about her and would write stories, like, with fictional characters that were really kind of her. And, Mm -hmm. like, his stories, because they ended up finding them, too. And, like, his stories usually had, like, a matriarch because his mom and mary were actually quite similar Mm. in even like their appearance and that they were both thin they both dressed very conservatively they both wore glasses you know just yeah you know they were just kind of similar they were both intelligent and blah 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 so in these stories that he wrote it usually had a female like mary Mm -hmm. or his mom and there would be basically like a sexual encounter with him in the story mm-hmm. where sometimes it was consensual, mostly it was rape or gang rapes and that that he would do on them. Yes. Okay. Kidnap them or like hold them hostage basically mm-hmm. and like make them kind of his like sex slave and stuff in the fantasy fantasies. Yeah, okay. In Vanity Fair this happened. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another good show idea actually. Oh yeah. So Another thing that came out is that in 1975, so the kidnapping happened in 80, So, but in 1975, Ming thought that Mary and her family were living in Duluth. And so he broke into what he thought was their house with a gun, wanting to kidnap Mary. Mm -hmm. And then when he got there, he realized that, oh, shit, she doesn't actually live here. It's her in-law's house. Oh, fuck. And so he forced her in-laws to the ground, tied them up, threatened to kill them if they reported the crime. And so they didn't. Wow. They didn't report the crime. It wasn't until Mary was kidnapped, Mary and Beth were kidnapped five years later, that they were like, so so this happened. Yeah. This thing happened. So at that time, when he thought that they lived at that house, that's when Mary and her family were in the Philippines. Mm. And so, again, they came back. They were back for a little while, and then they were about to leave again. And you know how he knew that they were about to leave again? There was a newspaper article about them and that they had, you know, the school and all of that, too. So that's how he knew that they were back, and that's how they knew— that he knew they were going to leave again. So were they in the car when he got them or were they outside of the car? They were outside walking to the car. Okay. And he was walking up to them and held a gun up and was like, get in the fucking car and drive. At this point, backing up a little bit from, because I know when I was telling like the story, we ended with her like the next day, him interviewing her. But after she had been missing for about five hours, her husband was like, okay, something's not right. Yeah. she and Beth just went out to get run a couple of errands, get their hair done. Like, they're supposed to have a friend over for dinner, and they never showed back up. And so the husband is like, called the police and was like, 
my wife is missing, yada, yada, yada. And they're like, well, it's only been five hours. She's a grown-ass woman. Mm -hmm. We can't file a missing person's report. Yeah. And he's like, but I know something is wrong because, you know, she would come home. Like, we were, you know, blah, blah, blah. We just have dinner, yada, yada, yada. So they basically told him, sit tight. Mm -hmm. So he did for a little while, and then he was finally like, I'm calling again. So when they called, when he called the second time, a dispatcher said, you know, got some information, like, what does she drive? You know, got some information and was like, got off the phone with him and started talking to another dispatcher. And they are the ones that actually put the pieces together to be like, wait, didn't you have a boy that's missing? And what was the car that he was missing in? And they're, so those two dispatchers are actually the ones that put the pieces together yeah, of them missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're flashing back forward <laughs> to they had been with Ming almost 24 hours. So it's the next afternoon when he's doing his interrogation of her. Okay. And he's saying, you know, why don't you recognize me? I can't believe you don't recognize me. He is just like so pissed that she didn't recognize him. And he finally tells her that he had been one of her students in her ninth grade algebra class. And he also told her that she he had run into her at somewhere else out in the community. And, like, they had actually bumped into one another. And that he said, hey, and she was just like, oh, hey. And he was so pissed that she didn't recognize him then. And so she was – Mary was really good at kind of talking him down and being like, you know – I'm so sorry. I, you know, I must have had some other something else on my mind. Like, yeah. I'm so sorry I didn't recognize you. It, you know, she like took blame mm-hmm. instead of him. You know, she she was really good at talking with him. Awesome. So that's he, that missionary word. Yeah. So brainwashing shit. Um, <laughs> that's how you really feel. <laughs> he told Mary that when he was in her class, that she had given him a B in algebra. And that before then, yeah, before then, he had, like, this perfect school record, all A's kind of thing, and she gave him a B. And because she gave him the B, he could not get into college. Oh, Lord. And as a result of not being able to go to college, he was drafted into Vietnam and was a (laughs) prisoner of war. What the fuck? Which, of course, was true. Yeah. Well, okay, victim. Uh, Right. Uh, sorry, I don't feel bad for you while I'm chained up here on your fucking floor. And I'm sorry if you would have just checked your work, you would have gotten an yeah. A. All right. So at this time, they had been missing for 48 hours. And they, like, had 300 police officers and volunteers looking for them. Wow. And which, of course, didn't work. Yeah. So Mary is tied up in the living room. And Ming keeps saying that he pulled off the perfect crime and that nobody's going to find her and that he said he had this three-step plan. Oh, gosh. Mary said, the first part was to find me. The second part was to get revenge. And he said the third part, well, that sort of depends on you. Mary said she asked him, what are you going to do for revenge? And he began to remove my slacks and my clothing and put my shirt up over my face and said, I think you can guess. So Mary didn't know it, but that whole like beginning interrogation and initial rape, 
he recorded, like with a video camera. Oh, my gosh. She said that I think any any woman who who has been raped knows just the, the physical horror of having some person touch you that isn't your husband. She said, I had to turn my emotions off because it was just too horrible to think about. God. You know, so this is a woman who part of the values of her faith is no sex before marriage. Yeah. You know, you're married to one partner for the rest of your life, yada, yada, yada. So the only person she's ever been with is her husband. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I was reading just was really talking about how this kind of like not inner conflict, but inner turmoil that she experienced because yeah. even though it was not consensual sex, she was having sex with another man mm-hmm. over time. Cause he kept, he had Mary and Beth for a long time. Um, How long? I will get there. That he would like multiple, multiple rapes. Um, the sexual attacks just like kept escalating, but she was able to keep it hidden from her daughter because he would like pull her out of the closet. Mm-hmm. She said that every night it got worse and worse. He said to her, you have to show me more affection. Oh and she was God. like, I'm sorry, I cannot do that. I love my husband and I promise to be true to him until death. And what you ask, I cannot do. So he also made Mary write her husband a letter saying, like, I'm okay, like, call the search party, yada, 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 because he was watching the news. Mm -hmm. Because he was still living his life. Like, he was still going to work, going to the grocery store, you know, doing his regular life, and then kept them chained in a closet, and then would come home after work and rape Mary. And just, you know, it was just like he was living this separate life. Yeah, yeah. So, so she had to write a husband, her a letter to her husband, and so he, of course, when he got it, was like, "Holy shit!" Took it to the FBI. Yeah, Ming was trying to get her to show more affection, and again, like I said, she was like, "I can't do that." And so he told her, "Have you ever watched anyone die?" And of course, she was like, "No." He said, "Because you're going to watch your daughter die of suffocation." And what? he took a big like plastic bag and put it over Beth's head as she was in the closet. And he was like, it takes four to five minutes. You'll gradually breathe up all the oxygen in the bag, and the bag will contract around her face, and she'll lose consciousness and die. And Beth is like, what's going on, Mom? You know, like, what's going on? You know, she's totally clueless to this. And he was like, if you're stupid enough to let your daughter die, then I'm going to go kill your husband and your son as well. And so she was like thinking to herself, like, I'm going to lose my whole family, and I'm going to watch my daughter die. And she was like, I just couldn't stand anymore. So she went up and gave him a a kiss on the cheek. And he was like, that's not enough. And so she gave him a kiss on the lips. And then he took the bag off Beth's head. Oh, my gosh. So it's like he's delusional in that he thinks it's like he truly does think that she's going to fall in love with him. And they're going to be like this big, happy family. But then on the other hand, like he knows enough to be manipulative yeah. about it. Because we're going to talk about that a little bit later when it comes to the trial and stuff. So she was raped every single day. God they were, bless it. I know. They were fed twice a day. It wasn't until day 10 that he let them take a shower. What about the bathroom? Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Because the first day, like when he took them, 
and then took him to the closet. Like Beth was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And he was like, no. And so she ended up urinating on herself. Um, And that's really all I found about that or that I know about that. But I I know that at the beginning she had trouble. And, you know, what's crazy is that, like, it wasn't until day 10 that they got to take a shower and they had on the same clothes for a long time. And so I, whenever I heard that about, like, and read that about when they were able to get different clothing, I was like, so she was in urine soaked and dried pants and underwear like oh my gosh so i don't know but mary mary said that day 10 is when he started to actually loosen up a little bit she was like she said that sometimes that they would just have completely normal conversations they would talk about the bible they talk about god they just talk about normal things and like i said he did his daily routine he owned an electronics store he'd go to work come home you know did everything he needed to do so around that time you know as it progressed he was like hey why isn't this letter that i made her send in the media like Mm -hmm. this is fucked up why isn't this in the media yeah so he made her write another letter and like when he had her write the letter he got a, not really stationary, but some sort of, like, notebook that she had in her purse mm. and made her write it on that. And, like, would, once she wrote it, he would, like, put gloves on, take the letter from her, and then make her rewrite it. Like, he, she would have to write it on something else. And then he would make sure there was no, like, coded messages in it. And mm. then he would make her write it on her notepad, take it from her, read it again to check for coded messages. And then have her, like, put it in an envelope and all. And then he would take the envelope, like, with his, like, so he wouldn't leave any fingerprints. Yeah. And he did that process both times. So, on day 23, Ming took Mary and Beth on, like, this really weird road trip. He was like, I have to do the road trip to Chicago for, like, a business conference type thing. And so he was like, y'all are going to come with me. And so he rented an RV and like put it, locked them up, you know, with the little cables and chains and all. And he would put like a jacket over their head and walk them out to the Winnebago, to the RV. Mm -hmm. And so he has to, like you said, have, I don't know if it was just always at the cut in the cover of night or if he really did have like a carport or garage or something where nobody could see. Yeah. Because they were going on this trip, he was like, Mary, y'all need some more clothes. And so he took Mary clothes shopping with him so that he could get more clothes for them to go to Chicago. They used Mary's, like, traveler's checks to buy the clothes. Wow. Yeah. And so this was, like, on their way. This was in Madison, Wisconsin, that they stopped to get the clothes. They, like, stopped at a Sears and then stopped at a Kmart for groceries, like, all these things. But he was basically like, I'm going to kill Beth if you say anything to anybody kind of thing. So they were in Chicago for five days. And while they were there, he had her call like the Baptist union to see if like her husband had left for the Philippines. Uh, Why would he leave without her? Beats the fuck out of me. (laughs) So, I mean, Ming made her call. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not her. Yeah. But like in his head, Oh, okay. They're just going to leave their sister, yep. daughter, and mother, wife. Yeah. Like, 
So she called the, I think it was the Baptist Union. I don't know. They could be Methodist. I don't fucking know. <laughs> and she was talking to this guy that, like, coordinates their mission work. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm not sure, you know, kind of who is this? Mm-hmm. And about that time, like, a car, like, almost hit a pedestrian or something. You know, something happened, like, in the environment around them. Mm-hmm. And Ming got distracted and, like, turned to see what it was. And she, like, whispered. And she's like, it's Mary. You know, I've been kidnapped kind of thing. And the guy didn't hear her. <gasps> Fuck. So it's, like, one of those missed opportunities, yes. you know. On June 16th, he, like, walked Beth down to a payphone. And let her call her dad for Father's Day. Wow. And, like, there was a... I actually listened to a recording of this. Oh, um, my gosh. Like, you can hear her? Yeah. Because... So, at that point, the manhunt for them or the search for them was, like, cold. You know, there was yeah. nothing. And so, they had their... Because, especially because he had gotten those letters and stuff, they had their house phone tapped. Yeah. And so, Case File, the podcast, mm-hmm. did an episode My on baby. this. I know. They did an episode on this. And so, that was actually where I heard that call. Oh, my And gosh. so, she was like, hey, Dad, happy Father's Day. And he's like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm okay. And he, like, asked to talk to – he was like, can I talk to the man? And she was like, I have to go. And, like, he hung up. Again, Ming had this, like, idea that they were this little happy family like, he brought crayons and board games and, like, paper and stuff for Beth to play with. And then, like, in the evenings when he got home from work, he would, like, sit at the table and play cards with Beth while Mary cooked dinner. Wow. He had been giving them, like, really shitty food. And so Mary started playing his game and to get, like, better treatment and all of that. And she would be like, you know— Beth is a growing girl. Like, she's a kid. We need, she needs more nutritious food. You need to start buying more like fruits and vegetables and stuff. And so that's when he kind of started giving them a little more freedom in the house because she started cooking and all of that. Mm -hmm. Mary also noticed that she heard somebody under them, like Mm. somebody like living in the basement or something. Wow. Well, it actually ended up being his brother. Oh, shit. And his brother, so he, Ming told his brother, like, you can stay downstairs, but you can't, you can only go to the kitchen. You can't go to any other rooms in the house anymore. So his brother basically, like, lived in the basement and only could use the kitchen. Wow. And his brother heard them up there, but thought that Ming just had a girlfriend because he was like, I noticed the house was clean all of a sudden. And Ming was not a clean person. And, like, you could tell that the kitchen had been cleaned and cooked in and, you know, all these things. And he was like, I mean, I knew that, like, he, you know, he thought it was weird. Like, he said to his one of his his friends, like, this is so fucked up. Who in the hell would date Ming? Yeah. But clearly he's got a girlfriend, so okay. Yeah. At the beginning of July, the brother moved out. And so Ming, again, had been getting more comfortable. And so he decided to take them out of the closet and let them go into this room. So on day 53. Good gosh. Yeah. You know, Mary had kind of been, you know, she'd really been holding out hope that 
he was going to let him go. And yeah. he found out that I think the maybe the lease to his house was coming up. I thought he owned it, but I guess it may have been a lease. But for some reason, he needed to move out of his house. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, you know, that RV thing was kind of fun. Let me oh, call gosh. this guy and see, like, if I can rent it long term. And the guy was like, yeah, you can rent it for a year. And he was oh, like, gosh. okay, let's do that. And so he was going to rent this long-term RV. And so Mary's like, holy shit, we're never going to get out. Like, he's not letting us go. Right. And so all this is happening right as, you know, they're getting to kind of move about more in the house. He's becoming a little more trusting. They're able to be in a room instead of a closet. And so Mary is just praying. And she was saying that she was praying just like she did every single morning. But that morning she was like, You know, Lord, if there's a way to escape, let me see it. Yeah. And she said that she just kept, her eyes just kept being drawn to these hinges on the door. And she realized that the hinge pin and the cable that she was like hooked to were never connected. And so she realized that she could lift her and Beth's chains or whatever, cable, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. over that door thing to like and get out Mm. and so she said when she grabbed that little pin to like pull it out she was like it was like it was greased it was like it was like meant to be pulled out the door like tilted from the top and they just were able she was like she realized like oh my god this is it like we're getting out of this room yeah and so she rushes to the phone and they had gone out for july 4th like he Because he is so fucking ballsy. They had gone out to some July 4th, some shit that you Mm -hmm. do for that. And a police car passed by. And he was like, if you go to that police car, like, I think they were dry. Anyway, he was like, like, I'm going to kill Beth. But what she did was she memorized the phone number on the car. Because this was before 911. Oh, my God. And so, so she memorized that number on the car. And so when she got over that door, she, like, ran to go call someone. Yeah. And Beth was like, Mom, we cannot leave this room. Like, he's going to catch us. He's going to find us. And, like, was flipping out because they're chained together. Yeah. And so she actually went back into the room with Beth to, like, calm her down to let her see, like, no, it's okay. You know, gave her a second to not hyperventilate about the situation. Because, I mean, God, she's, like, Stockholm Syndrome at this point, you know. And so... She gets her back into the room, and, you know, she's trying to calm her down. They're kind of praying. They're, you know, figuring everything out. And she talks her into, like, I think she even, like, had to slap her on the face at one point. She was like, I felt so guilty. Like, I just slapped my baby. But, like, we slap had to. out of it. Yeah, but we had to get safe, you know. Yeah. And so they ran back out. She called that number, and she said she tried to be calm. The lady answered the phone, and she was like, my name's Mary Stoffer, the Arden Hills kidnap victim. I'd like someone to come get us. And because she had also found a piece of mail before, like weeks before, mm-hmm. with his address and memorized that, too. So she had the address to tell the police. So the lady, the di- I guess dispatcher, if that's what you yeah. would call it, then told her, stay in the house. And she was like, He's going to come back. If you see a black man in the car in the driveway, he's back. Don't come in. And so the lady's like, stay in the house. Well, Mary and Beth were so scared that he was going to come back. Beth actually talked Mary into going outside 
and like they like hid behind a car or a tree or something. Again, different conflicting stories. One thing said tree, one thing said car, but they like hid out there, like waiting for the police. Well, the police basically like surround the area, like go to walk in, like they walk through the house and they can't find her. And then they like see them hiding. And so they rescue them. They had bicycle chains and cables um, wrapped around their waist and they were stuck together. Oh my gosh. They were kept for seven weeks. God bless America. So the day that they like escaped and called the police, he was arrested that very same day at his business. You know, he was like, the fuck? I know. I know. There were some conflicting reports about what he did while he was in jail. One thing said that he offered an inmate $50,000 to kill Mary and Beth so that they wouldn't testify. But then another thing said he actually paid that inmate or offered to pay that inmate $50,000 to help him escape. So Mm. that's not very clear. But he did have a lot of money. Like, that. I can't remember how much one thing said he was worth, but it was like a million dollars or something. Like, he Holy had a lot of fuck. money from that electronic store he owned. But so because he crossed state lines with her, it became a federal case. Yeah. There was a lot in the – there's like a lot more about the court case that I'm just not going to go into with him saying – that he was insane versus not versus a bunch of different psychologists like battling about whether he was insane or not, which is kind of what I talked about when it's almost like he has this idea that they're going to be this big, happy family. But on the other hand, everything is so premeditated. And so, you know, that it's like, no, that's actually not, he wasn't like in some sort of psychosis, you know? Right. He wasn't delusional. He knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. So during the trial, it began in 1981, Mary was going to testify. And while she was like up there, he jumped over a table and attacked her because he had smuggled in a knife and like cut her face. It took 62 stitches to close her face. Fuck. And he said that he would kill Mary and Beth when he was released from prison. Oh, shit. Yeah. He was sentenced to 30 years to life for federal kidnapping charge and 40 years on separate state murder charge because of the six-year-old boy that he killed. You know, it was there. And again, on Case File, they do the episodes like I feel like pretty long for his for his series. The Mm -hmm. episode's like an hour and a half. Um, And he goes into a lot more detail on Jason's murder and like. Jason's poor parents about when they realized that, you know, because they didn't tell Jason's parents at first that they had found Mary and Beth because Jason wasn't with them. And when they asked Mary and Beth about about Jason, they were like, who's Jason? Because it has been so long because they actually did know his name because when they were in the trunk together, the three of them, they were like, what's your name? And she prayed with them to try to keep them both calm and... She is like, just again, the the show does a really good job. Your Worst Nightmare does a really good job of showing how good she was at playing his game to keep them safe. Yeah. And then I think, like I said, that Case File does a really good job at 
the Jason stuff too. And you get to hear that call yeah. between Beth and her dad. So so he was actually in 2010 eligible for parole, <laughs> but they were like, absolutely not. You're never eligible for parole. Like, shut that yeah. shit down. And so he is still in prison. Wow. And so Mary and Beth are these, I mean, obviously Beth is grown and they still have some, I guess, post-traumatic stress disorder is what you would call from it. But so they still have things that they work through and, you know, all of that. But they are huge advocates and they 100% say that their faith is what got them through. Yeah. Oh, and what, what, sorry, I didn't ever even finish this thought was that they didn't tell Jason's parents at first that they had found Mary because they didn't know if he was with them. And so when they asked Mary and Beth, do you know what happened to Jason? They were at first, like I said, they were like, who's Jason? Yeah. And then they were like, what do you mean? Ming said he like dropped him off in that little park area thing. And that he was fine and that he just like got like basically kidnapped him and then put him somewhere else so that that kind of, I guess, becomes the thing in his mind. Not, but no, he, so they thought that the kid was okay the wow. whole time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, that had to crush Mary. I know. And then Ming really used the fighting, like the location of the body to his benefit to like, get lesser charges and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. so, so again, there's a lot of the, like, back end of the trial that we're cutting out, but there's so many other places that you can hear more detail yeah. about that, you know. But and he's yeah. even still being manipulative. Uh-huh. He's not insane. He mm-hmm. knows what he's doing. Absolutely. I mean, does he have a mental illness? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. But is he criminally insane? No. No. And no. we're experts on this. <laughs> it's I mean, our 18th episode, people. Get it together. <laughs> yeah. So, if again, it, just the there is a book about it called Stalking Mary. I didn't read it or anything, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but then, like I said, Your Worst Nightmare on Investigation Discovery, and then The Case File. It's the May 6th, 2017 episode, wow. if you want to check it out. Uh, you want to check it out. His accent. Oh, his voice. Top notch. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's Mary and Beth. Well, I'm glad they survived. Me too. I know. I'm glad you did one with a happy ending. I know. Well, yeah. Well, as happy as it could be. Yeah. And I think, too, like like I said, they really, I mean, obviously, they're going to have issues from it. They were fucking kidnapped and kept for, like, 53 or 59 days. Like, it's. Yeah. So, obviously, they have. They're going to have issues with it. And, I mean, shit, Beth was eight years old. Yeah. But just the way in which they stuck stuck, <laughs> stuck together and overcame. Yeah. You know how some people say things happened for a reason? It's like those were the perfect people for this to happen to because they did become advocates. Mm-hmm. And it didn't break them to the point where... Their lives, I mean, their lives were forever changed, but, you know, it didn't ruin their lives completely. Yes. Yeah. And so, therefore, they are able to help other people right. from it. So, it's enriching other people's lives. Yep. And it's like, because sometimes that doesn't happen, right. you know. And those are the people that need other victims like Mary and yeah. Beth to help guide them through it. Yeah, exactly. That was a good one. Thanks.
I mean, you did do my suggestion, so there's that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. So <laughs> okay, so what did we learn? I learned don't go to jail because uh, shit's always bad there. Yep. Whether it's ghosts mm-hmm. or other inmates or a warden who is sadistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched Shawshank. what was it like when you went to that jail they actually had a lot of like trade type programs to like teach trade skills yeah so there was like carpentry stuff and other trades i don't know that's all i can think of (laughs) but like truly there's two things that stick out in my brain well actually three because one of them was one of those shops that where they like i think maybe mechanic Mm -hmm. was one but one of the other things that stuck out in my brain was they had a wall of shame and it was corrections officers who had lost their jobs and been like criminal charges for like sneaking oh, in contraband God. and stuff. Yeah. And so like every day when you those corrections officers, I think when they left work, they saw the wall of shame. Wow. Which I get is to hopefully be a deterrent. And yeah. Yada, yada. The other thing that sticks out in my brain is that when we walked into one of the, like, general population, like, rooms where mm-hmm. it's, like, all the bunk beds and stuff, there was a bathroom on the left, and, like, it's just, like, open toilets, mm-hmm. and a guy was in there shitting. <laughs> And, like, like 15, 20 of us walk in, and, like, he's, like, shit, literally. And, like, I don't think he wiped. I think he just, like, stood oh, up and picked his fuck. pants up and, like, got off the toilet and then, like, waited for us to leave. And, then like, I'm, I'm assuming he went back. But, yeah. like, I'm I'm pretty sure he was, like, and pitched that off and pants up and go. God, I would have been, like, what up? I got to finish. Oh, my God. I was, like, that stuck out to me of just, like, the lack of – privacy and that like literally anybody can walk in the room at any time and you're just over there shitting i mean honestly though i he would have been better just to sit there and be like truly i don't even because i want to say when we like got back we talked about like our experience and what we saw and what we you know and yeah and again clearly that stuck with me because that was (laughs) 10 years ago yeah and you remember that guy on that shitter yeah (laughs) And so I want to say then I mentioned it and everybody, half the people were like, I didn't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. Okay. Number two. So don't, number one, don't do bad shit to go into jail because bad shit's there. Literally. Shit. (laughs) Everyone's going to see and smell your shit. Nothing is coming up roses. (laughs) Okay. Two. You know what? Two. Again, not victim blaming, but always be on the lookout. If weird shit's happening, be on the lookout. Well, yeah. I mean, not that they could have helped it. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that was kind of sort of my two, but we can make my two, three that kind (laughs) of go together. In that, like, if bad things happen like that, report it. Because, again, it's usually... Like a precursor for worse things to come. You yeah, know, that's not the word I want to say, but it's usually like, okay, so somebody's breaking into your house. Well, if it's happened multiple times, something's targeting you. Yes. 
if you have a home invasion where they hold a gun to your head and tied you up, yeah, report that. Yes, you know, and so that's what I mean by that's what that's kind of where I was going, which does kind of tie. It. So yeah. yes, be aware and you know notice things, but I mean, yeah. I mean, when you're just a regular old person, though, like. I mean, I wouldn't be like, oh, somebody tried to break into my house. I'm being targeted, you know, because you don't think of yourself. But it's going to be twice. Though. Twice that they knew of. So, yeah. you know. It's one thing to find like a fucking blowtorch, apparently, or whatever they yeah. found. I've been like, okay, that's fucking weird. But then to see someone outside, mm-mm, someone shouldn't be there like right. that. Right, exactly. And so that, it would be like. Fucking Fort Knox, I'd be having, again, this is in the 80s, so they couldn't have this, but surveillance, I'm talking about now for these people, get your ring, doorbell, whatever you have to do. Well, but the thing is, though, is that that would not have helped Mary. Oh, no, I know. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just like a, like, what does she even do? Yeah. You know what you do? You run in a zigzag. <laughs> He's got a gun. Yep. He's going to shoot you. Well, kick him in the balls and run in a zigzag. Yes. You know what? I wonder if anyone ever does that because everyone tells you to do that. I think if I was a shooter and someone did that, I'd have been like, you know what? You deserve. Just Just go. go. You win. Touche. Like, okay, you listen to your mama and that second grade teacher. You you go. Yeah. I see you. I see you. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, or I would just die like if. Mass shooter goes to do it, and all these people are like running in a zigzag. He's yeah. like, uh, 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 cannot compute. <laughs> <laughs> Been like, yeah, bitch, we got your number. We know how to run from a shooter. Oh my God, please. I'm putting that out in the universe that I never want that to happen. That is my biggest fear. No, hell no. I run you like a this. turtle stuck in molasses. I <laughs> zigzag or not, I'm going to be shot. <laughs> He'd be like, is that running? Honestly, you're not even moving. <laughs> you're not even trying. Like, is this go. real? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm giving you a head start. My grandma walks faster than that. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I'm serious. I mean, it took a while for me to go back to the movie theaters. It really did. And I still don't go at night or at like, like prime releases yeah, and stuff. The, what is it called? Opening night? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Especially for things that I'm like, no, someone could, like, want to target that. Yeah. I'm like, mm-mm. And, you know, I watched that Batman movie that that happened at, and, like, we were here. Mm-hmm. Me and my mom. My dad kind of watched it, but he doesn't really like that kind of movie. If it doesn't have, like, John Wayne in it or something, it's a shitty movie. Yeah. I'm like, um, is it even a movie? Right. Or Chuck Norris. I mean, Chuck Norris is, like, all, he could be in a cult of Chuck Norris. <laughs> Seriously. Pretty sure there is one of those. <laughs> he probably made all the memes about Chuck Norris. Right. Um, He's like, I don't answer the telephone, but I can make a meme. <laughs> when I make a meme, it's about Chuck Norris. <laughs> I don't always. <laughs> that ain't Chuck Norris, though. No. What was I saying about my dad? Oh, you were watching that Batman movie. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. My tangents have tangents. But when we were watching it, and I knew the part where... He goes and gets the guns and comes back and yeah does that in the movie theater. And, like, my heart was racing and I, like, couldn't watch that part. Like, I was, I was, like, totally triggered 
and you weren't even there. Yeah, holy wasn't shit. Wasn't there nothing like, oh my gosh. And you know what's weird? So that night that that happened in a, a you say it, Aurora. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a midnight show in here mm-hmm. too, and um, a girl got raped. She stopped at a four-way stop sign. What? And, yes, and someone held a gun, got her out of the car. And raped her. Holy fuck. Yes. And so that I, when this happened, yeah. I thought the news was going to be about that. Yeah. Because saw it on, like, Facebook, the, yeah. like, our local news. Um, And then I was like, oh, my God. That's not about like, that. Yeah. No. And she had went to see that Batman movie. And I was like, uh-uh. I am not seeing that in the theater. Shit. Like, Whoa. And so from that, lock your doors in cars. Like, when you go get in your car, lock your door. Yeah. I mean, most people, I feel like, do that, but... Clearly not everybody. Yes. Me and Marley, we're locked and loaded. I get in, hit my elbow on it, and we're we're gone. You even lock your door sometimes when you're not in there. Marley locks it for oh you. Oh, my God. Y'all... We'll hold that for another time. Yes. Anticipation. For a we'll live, because that y'all are gonna get a kick out of that. All right, remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.